Good morning, everybody. Uh, just a couple of announcements for you before we get underway with our worship service today. Well, really, just one announcement for you. Our chancel is full of workmen's, and they will be here again at 3 o'clock today for this edition of the Pates McDonald Concert Series. So we're so glad to have you guys this morning. Uh, and then I hope all of you uh, will come back this afternoon to hear more from them uh, at 3 o'clock. They are so uh, incredibly talented and gifted. I've already gotten to hear them uh, once today and can't wait to hear again. So, 3 o'clock today, Pates McDonald Concert Series. Uh, if you're wondering where Tasha is, she is on vacation today, so you're stuck with me. Let's worship God.
Our call to worship comes from Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray that your spirit would descend upon us as we gather for worship this day, that it would stitch us together as brother and sister to one another, that it would compel us to serve others in your name. During this sacred time of worship, help us to set aside all of our worries, our fears, our anxieties, even our excitements, and to focus fully on you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first hymn is number 85, Let's Stand and Sing. this prayer of confession before God and one another. It is printed in your bulletins and on your screens at home. Let us pray. Loving God, 
we gather this day as those in need of your grace and mercy. We have sinned against you and against one another. We have failed to love you with heart, soul, mind, or strength, and we have failed to love our neighbors. Today we pray that you would transform our hearts anew, that you would shape us with the power of your Holy Spirit, and that we would be transformed. Renew your grace in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. My brothers and sisters, in the waters of baptism, we were claimed once and for all by Jesus Christ. No matter what we have done, no matter what we have left undone, know that you are a forgiven people and be at peace. Let us sing now to God's glory. Let us pray. O Lord, may, o Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I am heavily amending the scriptures which are printed in your bulletin. So uh, we are just going to read this morning Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 26. If you want to read the rest on your own, you're welcome to do it. But all I'm reading is 21 to 26. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed two. Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, 
Well, this is the end of our time in the first chapter of Acts. We'll take a little break next weekend for Memorial Day, and then we'll hit the story of Pentecost in two weeks. So before we do that, I think it's important for us to consider a couple things, and I want to consider them by beginning uh, with a little joke. So uh, how many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? It takes one to get the light bulb and 12 to form the committee. Yeah, you know, right? We Presbyterians, we are an interesting lot. I find it remarkable, the roots of our name even. Our name, Presbyterians, uh, it comes from a Greek word, which is presbyteroi. Anybody know what that word means? Some of you have had elder training before, and if you had elder training, you probably learned that it means elders. Our name is derived from our form of government has there ever been a better marketing plan and strategy than that? Probably not. It also implies that there's going to be a lot of meetings. So when you serve on the session, which is our board of elders here at First Presbyterian Church, when you serve on the session, how long is your term? It's three years, right? Three years. I know for some of you, those three years go by like that, and for some of you, those three years might seem like eight years or nine years. But as I was writing this sermon uh, this week, I thought to myself, well, Phil, how long have you been on the session? And by my math, I have been on the session for going on the 23rd year of my term. I started going to regular session meetings at Parkway Presbyterian Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, when I was an intern there in 1999. 23 years, by my math, of session meetings. One of the first ones that I remember there was when First Presbyterian Church, down the road, asked us if we would like to consider merging with them. That was a long meeting. Funnily enough, it only took about 30 minutes to decide, no, we don't want to merge. The remainder of the two hours was the session as an entire body composing the letter that would be the response to First Presbyterian Church that, no, we love you, but we don't want to merge with you. I think for most of us, when we think of session meetings, of committee meetings, it's this sort of thing that we think about. It is long frustrating, often tedious work that we do when we gather together. Sometimes we may even ask ourselves, what's the point of it all? Why don't we just give one person the authority and let them make all the decisions and then we just won't have to worry about it or meet anymore at all? And the reason we don't do that, well, one of the many reasons we don't do that is because we've never done that. What did we find in our passage from Acts this morning? What did we find? We found a committee meeting, didn't we? Right here in the middle of the first chapter of Acts. Right after all these amazing things have happened. Acts begins with the risen Christ talking to his disciples. He ascends into heaven. Two white-robed angels descend. They tell the remaining believers to get to work. They go back to an upper room. Following this story, we will get the story of Pentecost, where the believers will be together 
and tongues of fire will appear over their heads, and they'll begin speaking in foreign languages, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happens in between all of these remarkable events, all of these incredible stories? Committee work. They were down an apostle. Judas, unsurprisingly, had lost his gig and is now dead, according to the book of Acts. You can't go around with, 12, with 11 apostles when there's supposed to be 12. There's bylaws. And so they get together and they say, well, how are we going to solve this problem? Somebody says, well, it should at least be somebody who's been with us since the beginning. So they go way back to the baptism of John when he was out baptizing people. They identify two guys. One who's named Justice and like two other names. One who's named Matthias. And they sit together and they roll dice and the dice land on Matthias. And then you have 12 and now we can get back to work. Work done. So the interesting thing, I think, about what's happening in the world and particularly in the world of religion and spirituality and faith is that there's growing idea, this growing idea that it's religion that's holding us back. It's religion that really is part of the problem. Faith is a wonderful, amazing thing. Our personal, personal spiritualities guide us and shape us. Our relationship with God is mediated through those personal faiths and spiritualities. It's this religion, this construct that has been laid over our faith that is holding us all back. And do you know what's meant when they're talking about getting rid of religion? It's committees. It's meetings. Get rid of them. They're holding us back. They don't let us fully express ourselves. They don't capture what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They don't do any good at all. They're just human constructs that keep things going and keep people in place and put all this extra stuff on our faith that we don't need. Well, today, this morning, what I really want to do is I want to take up for the committees. It's not exciting. I've never had anybody come and tell me that the reason they come to church is because they are so invigorated by the committee work. And yet, and yet, what do we find? Here in this first chapter, here amidst all that amazing stuff that I said, here we find a committee meeting because stuff has to be done. You can't go around with 11 apostles. You need 12. A few chapters later in the, in the book of Acts, there's another committee meeting. Why? Because the Hellenists say that the Christians aren't taking care of the poor and widows. Well, that's not going to work. So the 12 get together, they say, we need to solve this. They call a congregational meeting. They say, nominate seven people to take care of the poor and the widows. And they nominate them, and they, they choose them, and those become the first deacons. How did we get deacons? Committees. You go a little further into the book of Acts, and there's a controversy about the Gentiles. Shall we be ministering to the Gentiles? If Gentiles become Christians, do they need to get circumcised? These are important questions. Does Jesus care? Probably not, but we've got to sort it all out. So what do we do? We form a council, a.k.a. a committee, and we figure it out. 
And because of those decisions that the church made in the very infancy of its life, because of those decisions, decisions were made all the way through the history of the church. And it didn't stop every single thing that we have as a church has been the work of groups of people gathered together. Take a look in the pew in front of you. What do you see? Do you see a Bible in your pew? I hope you do. Like, you aren't even looking. Like, that's not even fair. At least go along. We all know there's a Bible there, but you can at least look down and be like, yeah, Phil, Bible. Thank you. Somebody's on board with the sermon. Grab the Bible. Grab the Bible out of the pew. Grab it. Where'd it come from? Was it handed down from Moses on high? Did Jesus give it to us? No. That Bible you have in your hands was closed for good, was finished. Those were the books that were chosen at the Council of Nicaea in 325. The Bible you have, what's in the Bible that you have, chosen by a committee. Now, can you read it? Is it in English? Was it originally written in English? No. What was it written in? Well, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and there's also Greek translations of that. The New Testament was only Greek. Who translated it? Was it one guy who sat down and translated the Bible for us? No. It was a committee. It was a group of scholars who sat down and looked at the words and looked at the passages and knew the history and put together the best translation of the Bible that they could come up with. When you sit down and you read about the story of your faith and you read about the story of Jesus and you read about the history of the church and the history of the Israelites and all the things that make us Christian, you are reading the work of a committee. Now, I could keep going, but I'm not going to. I'm going to skip way ahead. This sanctuary. Did one person choose the layout of this sanctuary? Do you like the sanctuary? It was a committee. When it was redone in the 2000s, did one person make all the decisions? Maybe they did, but at least there was the vestige of a committee. I know. What about our mission programs? Do you like changing lanes where we help people get cars for themselves? What about the Christmas store? What about First Sunday Supper? Those make a lot of differences in a lot of people's lives. They're important to us. We do good work for our neighbors. Where'd those come from? Committees. I was at the meetings where two of them were born. Committees, sessions, trustees, deacons, groups of people who gather together, that's how we, together, do the work of us, the church. That's how we exist in community. All these structures that we have in place, are they boring? Say it with me, yes. Sometimes they are incredibly boring. Can they be frustrating? I, of course, have never been frustrated in a meeting before, but I'm sure most of you have. Yes, they can be incredibly frustrating. But just like this story from Acts, 
everything that's ever happened in the church, all the great things, all the beautiful buildings, all the theology, the scripture, the work in the communities, the soup kitchens, the homeless shelters, the food pantries, the after-school programs, all of those things were done by a group of people working together with boring language around it. Committees and sessions and boards. This is how we work. This is how we live together as followers of Jesus. Like, I think back. I think back to that session meeting from 22 years ago in Corpus Christi where we sat down and we spent two and a half hours on the merger proposal, 30 minutes to say no, two hours to write the letter. What were we doing? What were they doing? I was just sitting there. I was not allowed to speak. And you may say, Phil, I wish you were still an intern. (laughs) I was not allowed to speak, so I was just sitting there. What were they doing? They were trying, as best as they were able, to tell their friends over in another congregation that, yes, we love you. Yes, we appreciate what you've asked of us. But no, that's not something we want to do right now. They were trying to find the right words for those people that they cared about. And they were trying to find words for all of their fellow congregation members who weren't sitting in the session meeting that night, but who might have to answer for that letter when they saw their friends from that congregation out at lunch or the golf course or the supermarket They were trying to do the best work they could in that situation to be faithful to who they were called to be. It wasn't exciting. Most of the people who were there probably didn't remember it. But that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what it means to be church. It's not just about sitting next to each other. It's about working as a community, as a family, as Christ's body. And to do that, it means we have to sit there. We have to sit there through meetings that can be frustrating or tedious, but we also have to understand that sometimes those meetings, sometimes those boring, bland, tired old committee meetings, sometimes they spin gold because the Spirit's there. The Spirit's there every time. Every time, the Spirit is present. And so that's how we do it, for better and for worse. Our faith, our spirituality, our discipleship, the ways in which we love Jesus and love other people, are those things we work out as individuals? Yes. But we're called to work things out as a community, as a body, as brothers and sisters to one another. It's not always fun. It's not always exciting. But it is the way. It is the way that God has chosen to work through his church. Amen.
Uh, before we pray, uh, a reminder, we continue to pray for Bruce King. Uh, he is back in the hospital, so pray for his wife, Audrey, as well. Uh, so that just continues to be kind of a, a back-and-forth battle that he has had uh, since his uh, very significant stroke several weeks ago. So please uh, do pray for him. Uh, the services for Becca Yarborough, who I know many of you cared about and loved, uh, will be tomorrow at First Methodist Church. So please keep her family in your prayers as well. Let us pray. Great and holy and merciful God, we give you thanks for this day which you have laid before us, for the opportunities which lie within it to serve you and to love our neighbors and to care for one another. We give you thanks for this opportunity to worship you, for the ways in which we are shaped by this worship service, the ways in which we are stitched together through it, and the ways in which it challenges and inspires us. Especially on this day, we thank you for the gift of music and the ways in which it blesses us. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word through song and to glorify you ourselves with our voices. As we gather this day, we are ever mindful of the worries and concerns we carry for those whom we love. Today, we pray for Bruce and Audrey. We pray that you would be present with them. We pray for Shane Smith. And we commend into your eternal care our sister Becca. And we pray that you would be with her family during these difficult days. And we take this time now to offer to you our prayers for particular people and situations. Holy God, help us throughout this day and the week ahead to be a people of gratitude. Help us to celebrate the many ways in which we are blessed and to in turn bless others in your name. We thank you for the opportunities, for the calling, for the family, for all that we have. And we pray as we were taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'd invite you now to please receive this offering of music.
of Christ our Savior. Did you sue for loving favor as a shield today? Oh, how praying rests the Did you think to 
Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings you've bestowed upon us. We return our humble tithes and offerings to you, that they may be used for your glory in this place and throughout your world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's 761, getting the hymn number right this time.
now, my friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.